0: Welcome to episode whatever this is. Episode 2, Season 3. Episode 2, Season 3, Cars Unfiltered. Uh, today it's a smaller group. It's uh, Mike's here. Yep, that's me. And Sal's here. Tom is slacking off on a vacation somewhere. He's on a
1: beach in the Bahamas or St. John's or, I don't know, Virgin Island somewhere.
0: Yeah, so hope you're enjoying it, Tom. Uh, Adam is MIA, off doing important things. We do not have important things to do, so we're here with you this week. Wait, That's important. That's right, and it is important, I guess. Um, So today we're going to try and spin it back a bit. Um, Hopefully the audio is okay. We're recording in Mike's garage uh, today just to get a bit of a change of scenery. Um, But we're turning back the clock. We're going to go back to, hopefully, a little bit more structured show, see if it works out a bit. Because I do feel like last week we were floundering a a bit there for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, we kind of turned into conversation too much.
0: So, uh, just as a little preview, we're going to go into some uh, news to start with, then we're going to go into what I'll call our main segment. And at the end, we're going to have a uh, newly branded 35 update. So we're going to have some updates on some different vehicles moving forward. Uh, today, we're going to stick with the one that you know, the 35, uh, just any sort of updates. So we're going to kick it off. Uh, first thing we want to talk to you guys about today was there's a new U.S.-Mexico-Canada deal, the USMCA deal, uh, which according to... YMCA? The... According to some uh, people, it was going to be the USMC in, uh, you know, just to pay some homage to the Marine Corps, but seeing as that didn't make any sense, they uh, added the A to it at the end. Yeah. So Mexico was the only country that only got one letter. You have USCA, <laughs> but just an M. So because guess they couldn't add that E. But in any case, just to highlight some of the features of it, and Mike has an interesting uh, viewpoint on it. So according to the news, 75% of the vehicles have to be made in one of those countries. Um so it's up from a 62.6%. So if a vehicle is going to be sold in one of those places or I guess anywhere for that matter, or at least in those places, um it has to be 75% made in either US, Mexico or Canada. Uh, another one is that uh 30 to, 40 to
1: qualify for the free trade.
0: To qualify for free trade, there you go. That's why we pay him the big bucks to have these uh
1: Qualified so, like, if, if it's half made in Germany and then they ship it to Canada and Canada finishes the last half, then it doesn't qualify, right? It would still be charged an import tax to the states or to Mexico or to whatever. Gotcha. Based on that, right? So, uh, so that's one bullet point.
0: Next one. Um, 30 to 40% of the work on these vehicles, so it is a, a staggered goal. Um, has to be done at a $16 per hour wage, uh, which is obviously big big important news for anything made in Mexico because uh, wages are significantly lower than that in Mexico, right? So it's starting out at 30% and it looks like it's inching towards 40% by 2023.
1: But just a note on that one is that it's percentage too, right? So you have to take into account, well, that will take into account, right, some of the senior guys in the states that make whatever, $35, $40 an hour, because they've been around for the last 25, 30 years. They're a supervisor now, right? They've been promoted up the chain or whatever. And now they make some decent money. And yeah, that's not a large uh, proportion, right? But they're, uh, it would weight that end of the scale fairly significantly. But you also, on the other hand, have Mexican workers that are currently making like $4 an hour, which heavily weight that end. So hopefully it would raise Mexican wages but it could also lower top end wages.
0: Well, I guess so. So that's a point, right? So would it Are they going to calculate it by saying okay, all of the auto workers make x millions of dollars. There's 50,000 auto workers, so the average salary comes out or are they going to take the amount of heads making less than 16 and the amount of heads making more than 16 and then that percentage has to be a certain percentage cuz it would would
1: change it, right? Yeah, they might do that way. I bet you that the automakers... or I bet you that there's some lobbying that went into that that right. would push it to the, the first, right? Where more, they just take everything and divide by the number, yeah, kind right? Kind of
0: like a cafe standard type deal. Right. Or, okay.
1: So I'm guessing um, enough people got paid that that got into legislation. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that, I mean... Regulators could have outsmarted them on this one or just, like, wanted to push it through bad Mm -hmm. enough, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look into that.
0: So, uh, next point. Apparently, the Canadian steel tariffs are still staying. So, any steel coming in or out of Canada has a 25% uh, tariff. Um, And then the last point before we just kind of discuss this in general terms was that uh, apparently now unionization in Mexico must be allowed. So, they must be allowed to unionize... uh, in Mexico, which would be an interesting situation because obviously right now they don't, there aren't no union shops in Mexico. So overall, I guess from your perspective as a businessman and someone in the industry, so do you think this was a win for the auto industry, a draw?
1: It's even, right? Like, I don't know. There's some places where money is going to be made. There's some places where money is not going to be made, right? Right. Uh, higher wage costs may just force like more automation, right? Mm-hmm. To try and change some of those. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to think about that a little bit because now that I'm thinking about it, maybe not because it might work against it. So I'd have to run those numbers and actually see which way that that would affect it. Um, but it's not huge, right? It's like they, there's a whole lot of hullabaloo about not a whole lot of info, right? The, the negotiations didn't change that much. Um, I think our administration didn't help us a whole lot by constantly pushing updates and whatever through social media kind of on a whim, right? But, uh, I don't know, overall is... Some things probably needed to be done um, and some things aren't really going to affect it that much.
0: Yeah, so I I know there's probably some little intricacies in there that we didn't discuss, but, yeah, I mean, I look at this list and I don't... I don't see... Nothing jumps out on the page saying, yeah, this was a win for... I mean, selfishly looking at the U.S., right? I mean, this, doesn't, this isn't a big win for the U.S. necessarily, right? I mean, No.
1: It's not a big win, and it's... What it's going to do is it's going to sour... I guarantee you that there's some... Uh, some folks in Washington who uh, expended a lot of political capital... To get this done, because of the way that some, excuse me, some other parts of the administration um, may have presented it, mm. right? Mm. Right. There's a lot of tensions because of things that were out of lawmakers' control. That I think a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of political capital was used up on all sides, right? And that's. It's always detrimental in something that could have been fairly simple and straightforward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is one of those situations, especially for something like this legislation. We'll see how it shakes out over the next few years, right, compared to NAFTA. But, uh, but yeah.
1: At the end of the day, sense. it's still a free trade agreement, you know? Yeah,
0: it's still a free trade agreement. So, sticking on to legislation, in some extent, um, and, and automakers.
1: Dumbasses on Twitter. <laughs>
0: So, another big news uh, story that hit, but it'll be interesting to discuss this, was uh, Elon Musk was finally penalized for, uh, allegedly, because I don't know if he... Well, I guess he might have been found guilty, but anyway, for um, stock manipulation. No, because they
1: settled, so there's no no verdict
0: Well, the article I read said that he didn't settle because settling would have admitted guilt, that this is an actual charge or penalty, this is an actual penalty, because he said he didn't want to settle because then it would be admitting guilt, regardless of the consequences. But either way... The penalty brought down on him or sanctioned down on him from the SEC was he needed to vacate the chairman position, not the CEO, but just the chair, chairman of the board position, and then a $20 million fine or whatever. But Yeah,
1: so now he's not directly involved with the direction of the company. Which is an he's interesting He's responsible point. for the company, but not necessarily for the company strategy.
0: Because in my mind, I think taking him off CEO makes a more direct impact to Tesla's bottom line than the chairman, although... Yeah, but they're not out like to... They're
1: not out... This is a point that uh, Tom sent me a video earlier this week, so hashtag Salamandran, I think, mm-hmm. because he said that the government's out to get Tesla and to make Tesla fail, right? It was one of many points, or maybe that was the main point, but at least this this particular issue is, like, the government's not out to make the company fucking fail, Right? There's no, like, conspiracy between the government and big oil and Saudi Arabia and everything to make Tesla freaking fail. Tesla's a small fish in a huge, in a massive fucking pond. Yeah. It's not... It would be dumb to expend the kind of resources, to, to expend any kind of resources on trying to make this one company fail. Because somebody else is just gonna pick up the same slack, right? Like, yeah.
0: No, I mean, and I felt the same way, right? When I saw the news come out, I mean, in my mind, I was like, well, if they really wanted to make it hurt, they would have taken him off as CEO to punish Tesla. Right. Now, the, the one argument, the counter argument in what I was reading was that there's some stir up um, in the board saying that Elon, the only reason Tesla stock is what it is, is because Elon Musk was the visionary. Right, which right? is kind of true but i mean i mean it's a lot true to be
1: honest can it's, he not, it's severely overvalued as, as, far as a
0: ceo can he not still function as a visionary
1: generally the ceo is seen as the visionary right so they set the direction so of the really, company so what he cetera, just cetera, can't
0: sit in on a few meetings <laughs> yeah basically now he doesn't have
1: a voting seat on the board to gotcha. say um, let's go public let's go private uh, let's do this let's do that right now he as far as company strategy goes sure he's the main guy, but now he can't go and seek, like, additional funding from somebody without board approval, and now the board's separate from him. He doesn't have a say, right? So, um, as far as, like, legal, regulatory, whatever matters are concerned, much better play by the SEC, in my opinion. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because like I said, it's not like they want to see the company freaking fail. If they wanted to do that, they would have stripped him of everything and put him in fucking jail, which they could have.
0: Right. I mean, I would have thought, yeah, if they really want to make him, you take him off as CEO, because finding a new CEO that will be able to get as much out of his company as Elon Musk would, uh, it's probably, probably a difficult task to do. Yeah. Um. I would agree with that. So yeah. So in any case, I guess, do we think it was severe enough? I mean, you, you know a little bit more about trading than I do. So for what he committed as far as the trading, which, just to refresh my memory, basically he illegally talked about potentially taking a company public on Twitter that manipulated taking the private. stock price. It's already,
1: it's already public. Sorry,
0: taking it private yeah, to so manipulate stock price.
1: When a company goes either public or private, it uh, dramatically affects the stock price for a variety of reasons. We're not going to talk about that. Point is, if somebody says oh yeah, I'm gonna take this $40 billion company and I'm gonna go, or 50 or whatever it's at, right? I'm gonna take this $40 billion company and we're gonna sell to somebody. And all you guys are gonna get bought out, right? Some people are gonna say, fuck yes, and the stock's gonna go up, right? And a whole lot of people are gonna say, oh fuck, what's going on? Because they didn't know anything about it. There was no real official news, no one was briefed, nothing. And if you're gonna do that, you also have to have somebody backed up. Usually, you know, in the press release that says you're going private. With talks to whoever, 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 right? Um, so, yeah, he fucked up big time. I was going to say, so... so but it's framework... also, like... In today's society, it's real easy to fuck up big time... More publicly than it had been, right? I mean, 50 years ago, some dude would have been drunk and said that to a hooker that he hired, maybe. Right. Right? Because... That's the only thing he's going to do. Or maybe he'll call, like, the wrong guy at some other company and say something. Or he'll call the press. I guess the equivalent would be calling the press, right? Yeah. So, he's drunk at a party and he calls the press and says, Hey, I'm taking this company private and hangs up. It's a whole lot less easy to verify right. where that came from, right?
0: Right, in the tweet with there's his no, name. No, there's
1: it. no real chance. Even <laughs> if they trace it back to that phone, if it's a party, he can say it's somebody else. It's a big prank. Yes, it's going to really affect the stock price... But you can't fall back on somebody in particular that said, hey, you messed up. Gotcha. You know? So, so
0: yeah. So, yeah. We'll see. we'll see how it shakes up for our old buddy uh, Elon. I know Tom is probably uh, very upset. Took he doesn't want a Tesla anymore. It, it, a, it took it as a personal hit He's going to uh, buy
1: an electric Porsche when they come out. Right. right. But speaking of visionaries... uh How about that vision for Cadillac... Yeah, so
0: reports are saying, just to clarify our steps, I can't, I don't know, I think there was a press release, I don't know, so just to clarify, reports are saying that Cadillac is moving back to Detroit, and the same reports were basically stating the fact that the uh, marketing and business groups that were out there were, um, they were basically, problem. they were too far away from the engineering groups to get the word out about what product needed to be. Now... In my mind, I sit there, and I think about today's world, and working in one of these companies, I sit nowhere near marketing or product development. No. And at that point, a phone call is a phone call. I can still talk to marketing. No matter where it is. I don't know who they are, but I can look them up
1: in the directory. So reading
0: in between the lines, to me this sounds like an infrastructure move or something, just save some money or something like that, right? It almost sounds like this might have gotten out of hand now, they obviously aren't getting the returns that they thought.
1: I think that's the thing, right? Like, it's not supporting itself. The whole point was to move Cadillac out there so Cadillac would be a profitable business unit. Since they're not a profitable business unit, still, they're like, why the fuck are we spending X million dollars a year to have fancy offices in New York when we got a bunch of cubicles empty over here? Yeah. And, hey, you know what? We'll even revamp them into the new concept if Yeah, you want. And,
0: and the thoughts behind, you know, moving there were originally, you know, to get the marketing and business people in a different mindset into a, a fancier, upscale mar- mindset. Um, but really, everything we're hearing, including from our favorite Bob Lutz, was that their campaign, their Dare Greatly campaign, really just didn't sell cars. I mean,
1: it's not a good campaign. Right? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, you look at those and it doesn't... What does that mean? Strike you. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, but it, I guess it leads us into the bigger point. And I know we've probably beaten this horse before, and feel free to comment on us on in Instagram or something when we post this, uh, whether we have. But So I guess, what does Cadillac do, right? So they obviously announced they have a small crossover. You can only imagine that they need to amplify their crossovers, right? So they have the Escalade and the X-T5 now.
1: Yeah, but they've already come out with the announcement that they're going to have, what, like five new Cadillacs or five new SUVs right. or something like that in the right. next like four years or whatever. Right. It hasn't done anything for them. Which and everybody knows they can deliver, because everybody knows that GM makes cars, yeah. right? And everybody knows that Cadillacs are rebadged whatever else it is, right? Yeah. Same as Lincolns have been for years and years. It's a yeah. problem that everybody's got. And yeah, Cadillac has some dedicated platforms now, or whatever, but it's still like, when you get into SUVs, how much of the sheet metal is going to carry over from, uh, I don't know, uh, what else does Chevy make? Uh, Equinox, Yeah, like a Traverse, right? How much is going to carry over to the seven-passenger Cadillac, right? Which
0: is very interesting to me, right? Because their previous campaign was Dare Greatly, and none of their current designs are daring greatly to be anything other than rebadges of what they did, right? I mean, in my mind, if you're going to dare greatly, you're going to bring back a big sedan named the Eldorado and say, screw it, this is what you want, and this is why you want it, right? I mean, something like that, rather than just following the status quo and building another, you know... Audi competitor, Audi SUV competitor, whatever the case is. So, the argument being made by Bob Lutz was that, you know, maybe the company was, uh, was, uh, you know, too far gone. But,
1: apparently I forgot to turn off my ringer.
0: No, it's alright. Um, so yeah, so we'll, and I agree with Bob Lutz. Um, at least that it's not going to, he doesn't think it can be Cadillac in the sense that it once was again. Well, and
1: that brings up another point, right, is that, um how long? Because his specific comment, the the quote that I read, anyways, was he doesn't think that it can come back in the amount of time that he sees the branded vehicle world continuing. Right. So He's of the opinion, and I frankly quite agree with him on most points anyways, is it's definitely trending this way. His general opinion is... Generations now and generations to come don't give a shit what they drive. Right? They don't care if it's a Ford or a Chevy or an Audi or a Mercedes or whatever it is, right? All they care is for the other features and... And especially with autonomous driving going how it'll get them from A to B without them having to disconnect from their tablets or work or whatever, right? Whatever the case may be. Right. And I don't think we're too far off from uh starting to see that tipping point, right? I mean Yeah. Yeah, I mean
0: actually you that's give it a 15 good point, 20 years? About whether brands are going to matter in the future, right? That's actually a good point.
1: And Ford's already trying to I mean kind of so, disseminate into that space, right? So it would right? be
0: pretty great to see like you got like Oh, man, it's going to be disparaging. So, to disparage our own company, uh, can you imagine getting, like, a low-end Ford Autonomous car that has those, like, you know, public bus seat coverings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all, it's like, sir, do you want the leather interiors or the cloth interiors? Like, no, I want to just have this leather interior. Just feel like I'm on a public bus for forever, but not, to, not that there's anything wrong with public bus. I took plenty of public buses, especially around the college years. Didn't have any cars, but, uh... But it'd be funny that there's going to be levels to autonomy, right? I mean, I guess it'd be like one of those trains. First class train car or a second class, right? Get but one. at
1: that point, nobody cares. Like, you don't care what bus you get on. What would Do you I, care if it's a GMC or What would? A, no, I don't
0: even know what the exactly. buses are. But that's actually, yeah, I don't even know what buses are. Can you imagine what a cop car is going to look like, though? That'd be interesting. That looks like something <laughs> out of a future movie where they're going to have a cage in the middle. And then that, ooh, yeah. We should talk about that one day. What, what cop cars are going to look like for autonomous cars.
1: So that actually brings us to your next bullet point on the schedule. Ooh. Three favorite vehicles when you were a kid. Yeah, so dreaming and of why. your utopia when you were a
0: kid. So what I suggest is we're going to go one for one. Uh, I'll say one, you say one.
1: Are, we, then, are we leading up to our fa- top favorite? Uh, or just like three general favorites? Just
0: three general favorites, I think, because I know that I'm going to end up putting my favorite one like first or second or okay. something like that. Um, okay, so my first example, probably my weakest example, but still nonetheless, was uh, the Ferrari 360 Modena, which is, ironically, probably, uh, to Ferrari aficionados, that was a more bulby and least Ferrari Ferrari, right? I, like, I kind of like it, though. I, yeah, it's nice. It's curvy. It's, I like the curves. I don't even... Because this fits in perfect as a kid, I didn't know the horsepower and torque. No, you didn't apart. say how something looks. You're just like, that, that thing looks... looks, fast. looks fast exactly exactly i mean no one's gonna say it looks more like a ferrari than a a 458 right those are those are nice don't get me wrong but there's something about that car it might just be that was my generational ferrari right i mean there was people older than me the f50 and f40 are like the cream of the crop right and i think to this day it's still those models that era are, are basically the top ones right but uh but, yeah, I mean, I think the ferrari three sixty was uh back in the day i mean that thing was that thing was sweet, so that's my first one
1: so as a kid, my favorite car was it started life as um and I didn't know anything about cars, so right? okay. again, so it started life as a sixty seven mustang g t three fifty yeah right, not because i saw a gun in 60 seconds or whatever right but um like i had seen one in a magazine or something like that right and like i just fell in love with it it might have been um i I know i put a model kit together that was of that car so it may have been that Mm. but either way i just fell in love with that car right um and that kind of as i learned more about cars i kind of morphed into more um the late 60s fastback style in yeah. general, right? Because I liked that more than the 65, 66 with the short fastback, you yeah. know? Um, and then that morphed into uh, the 69 Boss 429. Mm-hmm. Was probably my favorite car But growing up. And that's why I got the 70, right? Because it's a similar thing, and I, I know about things to be able to change it to kind of look that way. That's why there's 429 in it. Because the number mattered at the time, right? Not the boss architecture. Right. It's just got a 429,
0: yeah. right? So, your number one car is any Mustang from about 67 to 1970. Almost,
1: yeah, almost. Yeah,
0: yeah. I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, that's not bad. Which, by the way, and I'm currently trying to finish my master's in uh, automotive systems, and I'm taking a class, and we were just talking about uh, the aerodyma- uh, well aerodynamic impact of fastback versus squareback it's terribly boring and it wasn't uh oh yeah, it's probably not a whole lot well it causes vortices on the back and uh that don't happen when you have a squareback and the drag coefficient actually comes back so it goes to a point where if you're completely flat you can be equivalent to a fastback of a certain slope it's very odd but in any case that's oh. neither here nor there uh, but I, I am hopefully uh less than one semester away from getting a master's in engineering, so everyone should be terrified. But um, I don't have to
1: call you doctor.
0: Right. But you will have to call me master. <laughs> Moving on. Number two car number two and number one are gonna uh be familiar to anyone that grew up around my area era, but uh for me it's gotta be the uh Nissan Skyline R thirty four. Right? Mm. So my first encounter was on Gran Turismo with PlayStation that was like the cover car, right? There's obviously uh, that generation-ish Skyline in the Fast and Furious movies. That was the, the one of the hero cars. Uh, the Super was pretty sweet. But the Skyline has always been, uh, that's a Godzilla, right? I mean, even to this day, I think I've I told you about this. We were out to dinner uh, with someone else in the auto industry. Not an engineer, but someone else. Uh, coming out, I saw there's a three uh, a 350 sitting there. And uh, I was, like, looking at it. I'm like, oh, man, that's a sweet car. And said gentleman was like, oh, that's just one of those imports. I'm like, this thing's a pretty sweet. This thing's a beast of a car, right? No one's really, of regular cars, no one's been able to beat that thing as far as performance. That thing was snapping its own belts when it was coming off the line in sport mode. So, in any case, the Nissan Skyline It's probably one of my, what I'll call, formative cars. And to this day, that very boxy styling... With the two lights in the back is uh, is very iconic to me. And I still... When I think of cars, I think of that. That's one of the cars I immediately think of. It's pretty good. That one's... It's pretty... It's pretty decent. I don't know. My next one's better. Especially with blue underglow.
1: What is it? A 71 Mustang? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually... It was a car that I saw. You could buy the diecast model, Ooh, right? Oh, sweet! Yeah, it was in one of those magazines, yeah. and it was just the advertisement. So I had nothing to go off of except for this, you know, one ad of this fucking model, yeah, in like three degrees, you know, yeah. three pictures or whatever. But it was actually uh, a nineteen thirty-three or thirty-four Duesenberg SSJ.
0: Oh man, yeah. those old doozies are uh, yeah. No pun intended. They're a doozy.
1: And you know, you get the little blurb. At, at the time, it was pre like internet days, yeah. really, right? So, um, you get the little blurb on the side of the magazine or whatever that was. You know the, the whatever horsepower engine would put out this that it was supercharged and straight eight. I was like, it had four valves per cylinder. Yeah. I've only ever heard of two valves per cylinder. Yep. How is this possible? <laughs> yep. Just the
0: wizardry of of all that. Right. <laughs> Well, and that was also, that was the era of opulence in cars, right? I mean, it was, that was... Oh, yeah, that one,
1: but that car was, like, massively more powerful than any of its competitors at the day, right? I mean, they were completely capable of, their three-speed transmission, and they were completely capable of 125, 130 miles an hour in third gear, you know, so top gear, right? Uh, Going down the highway, they had, like, 300 some odd, 400 horsepower, mm-hmm. right? At a time when most cars were lucky to hit 100 miles an hour, yeah. right? These ones are blowing by it, right? They had a 0 to 100 time, right? Yeah. Not a great one right. by today's standards, but they had one, yeah. right? And in a day when most cars didn't. But by today's
0: standards, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day when they were talking about Elon Musk in the famous Joe Rogan interview, uh, the Roadster is going to basically... It's going to try to be able to hit at sub two zero to 60, which is... You don't need it, right? No. You don't need... No. Like, that was almost like... It's just... And I'm one for power and stuff, but there's a certain limit to it, right? Um, oh, it was...
1: And so, thinking about it, right, that's roughly... That's a similar architecture to my 35 Ford, right? I mean, yeah. massive differences as far as underpinnings and shit like that goes. But still, you consider it of... You've got similar tires, right? mm-hmm. similar suspension design yeah. overall, right? Similar like, era, similar
0: curve. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah.
1: it's going to have similar handling characteristics for a given wheelbase and whatnot based on whatever. And that would be scary. Yeah. <laughs> Think <laughs> of brake that, technology. Yep. Yeah. Think of those brakes, Where how hard they're working. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, those are... That would have been pretty terrible. You got this
1: little tiny upright windshield, right? You're not doing 130 miles an hour in an enclosed car with a slanted windshield that's all done up for sound ending and everything, right? right. You're doing it in this very heavy, so planted, yes, open-top co- roadster with a little tiny windshield.
0: Granted, there was probably only like two other cars on the road at that point, but...
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean...
0: In any case... All right, so I'll jump onto my last car, uh, which should be no surprise to anyone that knows me, including Mike. I'm gonna, I'll have you guess what it is. I have no idea what yours is. Yours is going to be some weird off-brand car. But in any case, I'll have you guess what my number one influential car was.
1: It was that, uh, that one that you sold when you first got up here, the Lancer.
0: No. Oh, no. no? That one actually had to do more with number two. Oh, I don't know. A nineteen sixty eight oh, or yeah. seventy Charger, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and the reason being, so what I say that is, I liked imports. I had a GT, a Lancer GTS, last generation with a two point four liter engine in it. Um, car I learned to drive manual on it, so I always liked tuners. But I always liked tuners because I knew I couldn't afford anything close to a Charger. Right, it was much easier to take a little, you know, import and tune it up or whatever you want to do to it. That Charger, a 68 or a 70, that is a monster in itself, right? I mean, people aren't putting cold air intakes on that thing. That thing is just pure, unadulterated muscle, right? Body roll like crazy, can only go in straight lines, but that thing has an attitude to it, right? And even to this day, I'm still chasing that... Muscle car feel. I mean, I have a Mustang, which is a pony car, but we can have that discussion later.
1: Sal, I've tried many times to get you You a muscle car.
0: But I'm also very conscious of myself saying that I'm not the one that's going to deal with you having to change an ignition coil and not knowing whether it's firing or not and calling someone saying, hey, I need you to go grab an ignition coil because I wouldn't have an ignition coil lying around. So, you would after a while. What I would do when I get super rich and famous uh, off of nothing, and hopefully this podcast, if you guys like, share, comment, subscribe, <laughs> whatever, uh, nice would Smooth. be to basically just take the shell of one of those and put it into like a Hellcat. That being said, I also wouldn't mind a Challenger. There are days where I thought I could sell my oh, Mustang.
1: Yeah. An old Challenger. Or A new one or an old A new one. Oh, just because no, I, I don't want to deal with it. Just say this. an old Challenger, those are sexy.
0: But there are days where I say, hmm. I know I work for Ford, but I could buy a pretty sweet Challenger and I'd be pretty happy. You
1: know, I was thinking about that with... This isn't my favorite car, I, yeah. I, but but I was thinking about that with recently the 50s Cadillacs have really been growing on me, like the mm-hmm. late 40s and mm-hmm. early to mid 50s. Uh, so right before you get into the big tail fins, but well, you still got a little tail yeah, fin, right? yeah, it's got yeah. like that nice little slope to yeah. it. I was really thinking that one of those would go... I'd really like to drive one. Yeah. I think it'd be a nice daily driver, you know? Yeah. You could get them for like... Seven, eight grand in decent condition. Yeah. You know.
0: But uh but yeah, and then like the other day I saw a challenger going down the road with a Hemi and it's like, oh gosh, that thing sounds fantastic, right? So so yeah, the sixty eight and seven, I mean that thing is it's that thing is should be in every car museum ever. I mean that thing's sweet. If you can get me a road runner with that gigantic freaking tail, I'll still take. It. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but in any case, so yeah, your car I don't have the slightest idea. It's gonna be some like Willie's two seater or something crazy.
1: No, it's not even. Uh-oh. It's uh, it's just like the mid-'80s to, to early-'90s F-150s. Oh,
0: okay. I could see you that. You know, like the
1: boxy body style. They all kind of had square headlights, yeah. just kind of slab-sided. We have talked about this. There is something timeless about
0: that design of yep. F-150s.
1: And it's a, my old man had one. He had an 86, and it rusted to hell. And so then he got a 94 to replace it. And it was just a straight 6... Manual five speed, right? But top speed of maybe ninety miles an hour if yeah. you're pushing it going downhill. Yeah. But the thing was a beast, right? It was yeah. a workhorse. I learned how to drive stick on it, right? Like,
0: I don't know. Those, if you find a nice F one hundred and fifty from that era without any rust on it, that stuff, that thing looks nice on the road. They to do this day, to this day, where I don't think your O early O's no. age. First. No, my 98, no. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, I forgot. It's the it's 90. Bad. Those do not uh, do not age that well. No. But uh, And then I know you and I have disagreements over the latest generation F-150s. I yeah. argue that my, I like mine better than that, and you like the newer ones better than mine. But we'll save that conversation for the next time I go in and have to buy a hybrid F-150. Yeah. On the next show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah. Okay, so to recap, so my three cars were the Ferrari 360 Modena uh the skyline r34 r35 generation somewhere around there and number one was a 68 or 70 charger because the 69 front end is hot garbage yep and then your
1: cars were in no particular order right early mustang fastbacks yeah first generation basically so i guess first is was 70 was 69 technically a second generation
0: I don't know if it was. I look. would argue that I think 69 was probably second generation. Yeah, maybe. The body style changed pretty significantly. I'd have to look
1: and see where that comes in, but I think that might be second I'd
0: generation. I'd imagine 68 was probably the last year of the original. 71 body
1: style. might be like second generation, though. Hmm. You know? But
0: yours is very different than a 67 fastback. Yeah, it's
1: true. I don't know. But, anyways, those early Mustang fastbacks. Um, and then an, an early Duesenberg SSJ. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then just a pickup truck. Pick
0: 150. Pickup truck black what color
1: Any no ones? i mean my romance is white but mm. i really like the two-tone ones yeah like the you didn't really get it so much in the 90s right but yeah. you got it late 80s yeah, yeah yeah it was nice you know it was it was good they had the what the ranger had the full trim right Nice right? see so chrome trim all the way down the side yeah, chrome trim yeah
0: red spray graphics everyone some squiggly lines everywhere yeah it's great so yeah okay so those were our top three cars we admired as a kid Um, And I guess just to close out the segment, basically all we wanted to do, so the 35 update, rather than actually give you one, we recorded a video that should be up on our YouTube page by now. Yep. Uh, I think so, yeah. With the latest Voyage on the 35, Tom came down uh, to check out the vehicle, so make sure you go out to the YouTube, uh, take a look at it. It should be running now pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think my coil's
1: bad, but otherwise
0: yeah pretty decent uh footage so yeah so make sure you go check out the youtube comment over there give us some ideas some suggestions um comment on the podcast ask your friends or whatever to subscribe like it if you want obviously do all the regular pitches and yeah so hopefully next week uh mike's going somewhere this weekend so i don't know but hopefully next week we may have uh the full crew back with us
1: oh i'm only going to be gone till sunday so i'll be back
0: okay so we'll have the full crew hopefully next week uh come talk to you guys and yeah We'll uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening.